Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the HerfCast. This episode, my buddy Joe joins me back in studio here in the Black Flannel Lounge, and we talk to Gourmet Goes Keto. Uh, we follow each other on Instagram. He's a cigar smoker, but this dude is pretty impressive, to say the least. Uh, this guy's journey, uh, being a fat guy to not a fat guy to a fat guy and back to not a fat guy. Uh, he's got a podcast called Fat Guy Forums. Uh, it's highlighting, you know, basically fat guy stories uh, and their their journeys and progress and whatnot. So check out Fat Guy Forum by uh, Gormy. Uh, Gormy is out in Rhode Island. He is Gormy Goes Keto on Instagram. And this guy has lost over 300 pounds. Uh, we get into that quite a bit. He talks about his keto journey and some of his weaknesses and all that stuff. We also talk about cigars and, you know, it's a pretty informative podcast if you're, if you're looking for information on keto, uh, and it's just fascinating to hear, uh, what kind of success he has had. Uh, there's a little bit of background noise. He's in a cigar lounge. Um, but I don't think it's too bad. So, me and Joe, uh, we smoked some cigars uh, that I got from, that were in my last Stogie Bird package. Uh, if you want to check out Stogie Bird Cigar of the Month Club or just uh, to check out his selection of cigars, use the code HERFCAST and save yourself $5 on your first order. So check out stogiebird.com and theherfcast.com, my website where you'll find all of my episodes. And I've got a store on there. Uh, with shirts and stickers and whatnot, you could pick some of those up. And there's a link to Patreon. If you would like to support the show via Patreon, just click that link. And there's multiple tiers that you could donate there. I would appreciate that very much. So uh, we're going to get into it. And I hope you enjoy the show. And I definitely hope you learned something, especially if you're looking into or interested in the ketogenic lifestyle. So enjoy the show. Thanks for checking it out. So, uh, today I've got Gormy. Now, is Gormy your real name or do you, is that just a nickname? No, it's just a nickname. Uh, my last name's Gorman. Uh, first name's Mike, but I go by Gormy. So, so today I've got Gormy. Um, his Instagram page is Gormy Goes Keto. Mm-hmm. Um, I could sit here and tell you what this guy's done, but I'm going to let him go ahead and do it because he's got the exact numbers. Uh, we've been following each other for oh, probably close to like two years now because I think we've been following each other since since I started Instagram. Um, but you you've definitely put up some, or I, I should say, dropped some amazing numbers. Uh, if you don't pick up from his name, uh, Gormy is deep into the ketogenic diet, uh, ketogenic lifestyle, I should say. Um, so if you want to give a uh, a rundown on your your success since 2017 that'd be that'd be awesome sure sounds great um so it, i i've been a big a big fat guy my whole life um my heaviest i was 540 pounds um lost basically all the weight regained basically all the weight um got back into the high 400s and you know many many different diet attempts throughout my life and it was, like you said, February of 2017 uh, that I started this uh, journey into the ketogenic lifestyle, into the keto diet. And um, I was 470 pounds when I got started. 
and it's now you know 2019 and i'm 205 pounds so i'm down about 265 pounds yeah that's absolutely ridiculously insane tell me about it yeah oh yeah so a little bit of exercise but yep nothing else so uh you uh you're into cigars that's uh, that's how we that's how we got uh in touch here um but as far as uh I guess as far as keto goes, uh, you're not just doing the the regular keto diet. You're you're it's called deep state, and like you you're you're next to no carbs at all, correct? Uh, well, I was um, I, I was for the, for like the first year and a half or so that I was keto, I was doing what would be called like lazy keto or dirty keto, uh, which is uh, I was counting net carbs, uh, keeping around 25 net carbs. Not really doing anything else, like counting-wise. Um, just eating meals that seemed to fit uh, what I saw as like ketogenic um, templates online and things along those lines. Like eating a fair amount of fat, mostly protein, and you know, um, like I said, I was counting the net carbs. So I was adding up the net carbs from vegetables and keto products, like bars and baked goods and all that fun stuff. And uh, about a year and a half into my journey, I, I found that you know that. Because you're eating more intuitively when you're doing that. You're just kind of eating till you're full and not really counting or tracking anything. And I found that um, I, I, I know that I have some, some real food issues and some real food addiction issues. And um, I started to see a lot of those, those demons rear their heads again. And I was overeating on keto. And it isn't a magic diet. You know, like it isn't something that automatically changes everything in your life. And I realized I needed some help. So I started working with a coach uh, who was through the Deeper State Keto program at that time. And so working with him, I've been, I'm actually kind of ending my road with him now um, because I moved into maintenance. But, and we're, we're kind of reverse dieting me out of the cuts we've been doing. But so like you said, I, w- I switched from counting net carbs to total carbs. And total carbs, I was eating 10 grams of total carbs a day in addition to um, the fat and protein macros that were set up for me by him. So I was counting calories and carbs and macros and protein and fat and all that jazz. Um, and for a little over a year, I was, I was at 10 grams of total carbs. We're now working to find like what my maintenance level is, like where my body operates best and how, where I feel best and all of that jazz. It's so I, I've got a little different with everybody. Everybody. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's, it it's that, that program sticks with that, that level of carbs for most people. Um, but now I, I'm up to 15. We'll be going up again soon, like trying to find out where I'll end up. I'll probably end up somewhere in the neighborhood of like 25, 30 total carbs at my maintenance level uh, once we're kind of completing that phase, you know, the end of this month. And so does it doesn't mean going forward there won't be days where I focus a little more. Like I, I take days where I count net carbs instead of total carbs or things along those lines, you know. You start to live an everyday life now. It's not just about cutting weight all the time and what your scale says every day. Uh, but yeah, for the a little over the past year, um, I've been weighing myself every day, reporting to him, um, eating that that low carb level, which is you know pretty close to carnivore at that point when you're at 10 grams of carbs. Like there's yeah. some things you can bulk up on, like um, baby spinach and arugula and things like that. <laughs> you know, it, you can you you don't realize how many how much that is like when until you you plan out. Like I remember the first time I was like, I'm gonna eat three ounces of, of arugula tomorrow. And then you fill the bowl with three ounces of arugula and it's like a salad, like a, a family size salad. And I'm like, okay, this is a, 
it's a whole lot of arugula. Um, yeah, it's 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 an Olive Garden bowl of salad. Oh, it completely is. But then you look at something like, say, a Quest bar or like a, a keto uh, protein bar, and that's 25, you know, 15, 25, 30 total carbs itself. So that I was eating like a third of that, you know, the size of like two small dice. So you yeah. start to realize what's where the volume starts to come into play and things along those lines. So you get you get good at figuring out like what what's satiating, what's not satiating, you know, what. And I also learned a lot about like what what protein and fat ratios are my body responds best to, like where I get that great mental clarity, uh, where I, I get the best energy and the best productivity and, you know, what was helping the best with my weight loss throughout that time. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, I, I've, I compared to you, I've played around with the keto diet, uh, a, a couple of times and, you know, obviously I'm not on it now. I'm sitting here drinking beer. Um, I'd but, say uh, you still look better now than you did even before you tried then. Yeah. I, I think it's right. long-term good. Definitely. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely still lighter than, than I was when I start, when I originally started. Um, I dropped like 60 pounds my first round with keto. Uh, in just, in just a couple of months. Um, but I, I started off not doing net carbs. I was doing total carbs. Yep. Uh, but I wasn't as strict as you. Like I, I kept my total carbs like under 25. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I was kind of going in without that much research behind it. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm sure you could probably hold your own classes at this mm. point. Um, yeah, you, you, you learn. Well, I'm also kind of like the, I geek out on a lot of things. So like the, the science behind it all and just even getting into the math of planning out my week of eating kind of became like a fun thing to me. Like, you know, I got to find those things that would drive me and keep me going. And like, that would help. Um, I, I think that whole net carb versus total gar carb debate that a lot of people feel strongly in, in either directions about like in the keto world, even um, for me, counting net carbs allowed me to sneak in a lot of things that were keeping a lot of bad food patterns going. Like, ketogenic ice cream and cookies and all of those things that made me want the real things. So yeah. by going down low for a while, it took a lot of those things out of my life and allowed me to kind of get a handle on what it felt like to actually be physically full and what physical hunger was like for me and what mental hunger is like. You know, I, like I said, I struggle with a lot of different, you know, kind of addictive issues when it comes to food. So I, I used to, you know, people talk about like they, there's a lot of people who are like, Oh, you know, I, I, when I eat till I get uncomfortable, like I never really do that. And I'm like, Oh, I used to do that all the time. You know, eating. Sorry. It's a little loud in the background here. If that's coming over to you guys. Uh, no worries. Uh, uh, there's a, there's a football game on. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 it's something that you eventually fi find your way through. And like, for me now I can control some of those things better. I've got a better handle on how my body reacts to different foods. Like that's the other thing. Like I think keto, keto teaches you a lot about how different foods affect your body, like how you actually respond to things. Like if I, I haven't eaten grains and wheat and a lot of those things in almost three years now. So when I eat something that even unintentionally has those ingredients in them, I feel it in my hands, like my joint inflammation. I feel it like I almost feel hungover. So wow. It's interesting, and it's not necessarily like a sensitivity or an allergy that I have. I think it's it comes with when you remove different products from your body, you realize how we become accustomed to how we feel eating them. So, you know, for me now, I thrive with this lifestyle. It's something that I'll stay keto probably, you know, for, I mean, I, I won't say that the rest of my life is laid out in front of me, um, but I do feel that by going keto and being doing this, I've 
I've got the rest of my life ahead of me because I was, I was headed to death. I was, I was going to die. I was sure of that. Like I was showing, I was undiagnosed, but I had pretty much every symptom of diabetes. You can talk about, you know, frequent urination, foot pain, um, sweating after eating, like energy levels, energy lows, um, all of that. And I, I think now I have a much better sense of how my body operates and what my body does. So it's, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. And, and along those lines about like, you know, just getting used to how you feel uh, after reintroducing those foods. Like, I mean, I could tell you, uh, like I said, I, I've gone back and forth a little bit. I, I need to quit. I need to quit messing around and actually get back into it. Um, but yeah, every time that I would go back to, you know, or, you know, I would, I would take a break or have a cheat day or anything like that. And just how, how much you feel like just, you, you just feel like shit. Um, Mentally and physically. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just, oh yeah. Just slow in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. And to your point about, you just kind of get used to, you know, like uh, you get used to the fact that, that your, your joints don't move like they do mm -hmm. when, when you're not eating, you know, all, all of the carbs and whatnot. Um you know, I, I, I could definitely, I could definitely vouch for that on my own. Uh, mm. But uh, yeah, uh, the past, the past couple times that I've, that I've played with it, uh, I did go the route of, you know, having the keto ice creams and the, the, the keto snacks and whatnot. And uh, yeah, that you're, you're right. It does not help at all because it just makes me go to Dairy Bell uh, or, you know, whatever, whatever oh, yeah. local soft serve place that you got that isn't the chain you know that that's uh, but uh you drink you drink a lot of um is it just is it cold brew nitro coffee or um that that seems like it's it's pretty much a staple oh yeah nitro nitro black nitro cold brew is um a big part of my life um it's I mean, it's just something I got used to, like, you know, dr drinking black coffee is kind of scary to some people, but when you're drinking it that way, you taste like the actual coffee. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a delicacy in and of itself. I'm drinking a cold brew right now. Um, and, and yeah, you know, it's just something for me that works. And, you know, I, t I tend to drink probably two to three coffees a day, uh, depending on my mood and, and what I feel like I need. No so, sugar, no cream, black. <laughs> And then suddenly it's healthy. Imagine that. Yeah. I know, right? Um, I mean, I, I'll do a hot coffee with some cream or butter or something like that in it every so often, like with some protein. Um, I like adding flavored collagen to my coffee. Gives it a little bit of a bump, like when I'm doing a hot coffee. But cold coffee is black for me all the time. I, I almost don't even like it now with something in it. You, you said flavored collagen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't heard of that. Oh yeah, no, it's just it's just college, like collagen protein powder. That's you know sometimes it's chocolate, sometimes it's vanilla. You know, oh, there's a lot okay. of different flavors out there. Something like that, yeah. Okay, that's I'm I'm thinking, I'm thinking like gel form. Oh no 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 not, no not powder form. Not gel, <laughs> not like a not like a, I, I, I'm not dissolving gummy bears in my coffee. You know, like yeah. keto gummy bears, <laughs> which people make those now. But yeah, um, yeah you like know, it's it's just a powder you throw in with everything and gives it a little bit of a. A creamy texture okay that's that's definitely better than what i was thinking so just recently i, I had my first cold brew coffee experience mm. uh just had a best buy gift card that i couldn't find anything i wanted to buy that i didn't already have and found myself buying a cold brew station and oh, nice. that first night letting it steep overnight cold brew 
woke up in the morning, tried it. I was utterly shocked how much better that flavor is as opposed to a hot brew coffee. There's no bitterness. There's no oh, yeah. sour. It's, it's just delicious. Didn't even need any milk. Didn't need it to add anything to it. And I'm one of those guys. I'll go to Dunkin' Donuts, have cream and sugar, and they just load it. And oh, I'm yeah. still like, hmm. I could probably do with a little more, just a little more, because oh yeah, you know when you're was, addicted to sugar, oh, yeah. like most Americans. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was an extra extra guy at Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, extra, you know. Oh yeah, so when you can see the layer of sugar at the bottom. <laughs> I almost used to love that sludge when you get right? to the bottom of your coffee. Wow. You know, like it, that was the best. It was almost Break like a as spoon. a kid. <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. Get it in. Get it yeah. out. Yeah, but cold brew, man. For for coffee drinkers, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, it's it's blown my mind this year. I mean, it's a little, it's actually a little stronger than regular coffee. So there's sometimes people switch over to it. And the first time they have it, they're like, you didn't tell me I was going to have electricity running through my blood after I had this. It's funny, my sister and her boyfriend, I think it was last year or the year before, went to the place that I get nitro from to get me a, get me a gift card for Christmas. And they decided to try their first nitro cold brews. And they were like, we were like shaking for an hour after drinking that. How do you do that? Like two times a day. And I'm like, oh, you get used to it. You get Harness used to it. The energy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh pretty yeah. Much, pretty much the only nitro cold brew that I've ever had is from Starbucks. Um, and I like the, the first two times I ordered, it's like, oh, you know, you could only get it in like a medium. Oh yeah. Uh, and like after a few times, it's like, man, why don't they, why don't they let you order, you know, a large, uh, a yeah. venti, whatever. Uh, they're like, oh, because the nitro hits you in a different way. Yeah. So if you drank that much, you'd probably end up, you know, you know, like it's just electricity through your veins and heart attack, maybe. Yeah, heart attack. Oh yeah, they they say it's a liability issue. That's mm -hmm. why they don't do it. Yeah. That's. And I'm like, uh, a bar will give me twelve beers. Give me a large coffee, come on, yeah. let's go. <laughs> so uh, you're at the lounge right now. Uh, I am indeed. I am indeed. Uh, what what'd you light up there? Um, well, I just finished uh, Aroma Craft Neanderthal, uh, which is a favorite, and I just lit a, I figure for the podcast, um, I have a Cohiba Makassar going. Yeah, how's that? Uh, it's good. It's a good stick, you know? Yeah. You know, it's not, it's got a, a little bit of a, a kick to it, which I like. You know, I tend to like a stronger cigar. I was going to say, um, how's, how's that following the Neanderthal? Uh, it's good. The Neanderthal's not as much of a bite, so this one's a little... Will give me a little bit of a, a little bit of an afternoon bite, a little bit of an afternoon buzz from it. Yeah. So, uh, I've got a uh, M Bombay uh, that I got in the Stogie Bird. It's just a classic torpedo. Um, I've I've only had a couple of the M Bombays, but uh, they, they they seem to do pretty well. This one's actually lighter. Um, but I'm 100% planning on smoking two cigars, so I didn't want to start off with anything too heavy. Uh, what do you got over there, Joe? Uh, Alec Bradley, uh, Tempest. I just got the sampler pack and figured I'd burn a light one to start, save the Mandile for later. Yeah. And, and you just gifted me this fancy Padilla. Yeah, Ooh. it's, uh, well, looks Padilla delicious. Finest hour, is that? Mm. Yeah, Padilla, finest hour. So, well, uh, I'll, I'll admit that I'm, a, this is my, this is round three for me today. So, yeah. Yeah, I tend to come here, set up in a booth, and to do my podcast editing. So um, it's a, a good place to kind of hide and get a get a few get a few stogies in, but you know, take some time for myself. Oh, gee, speaking of uh, the the podcast is called Fat Guy Forum or Fat Guy Chronicle. What is it? 
Fat Guy Forum. Fat, Fat Guy, guy Forum. Okay, I, I, yeah. I was right. See, I second-guessed myself. See? Me, you know. Um, so you've got, what, about 20 episodes now, somewhere around there? Um, actually, Uh-oh. I was 37, and I just, I've got 38, 39, and 40 in the can. So. Oh, wow. Okay, so you're staying ahead. Yeah, I'm trying to get the end of the year ready, like laid out, ready. Like I got it all planned and locked and loaded. And, you know, don't I, with the, the holidays coming the next couple of weeks, I don't want to run into having to try to squeeze in a recording when, you know, and have my time get lost and all those things. So I'm just trying to get ahead a little bit, trying to get a little bit ahead. Yeah, that's uh, I it, it's good to see like you're 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 keeping to a schedule, which is something I definitely don't do. Uh, <laughs> mm. it, I, I just do it when I can and release them when I got them. So, oh, sure. Um, so how long you been smoking cigars? Ah, cigars. That's a good question. Um, a long time. I'm 46. So Are I you really, say, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, um, I, had no, I had no idea. That's, yeah. I mean, you, you definitely look good for your age. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I would say that I've been smoking cigars on and off since I was like 18. Um, started, you know, well, maybe 17. Um, you know, in high school, every so often, um, you know, the more the cheap convenience store, you know, the El Productos, you know, the mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, the ones where I was worrying if they were going to sell it to me because I was under 18. Um, <laughs> and then I would start to to pop into the, the local cigar shop, but had no idea what I was doing. Like, literally, like, you know, it's almost like wandering around. and You don't want to look like an idiot, um, especially as a kid. Um, and then like throughout college on and off. And, and it was kind of more after, after college that I, I, I started to learn a little bit more about, you know, how the different, different colored wrappers taste different, you know, the different cigars taste different and shapes yeah. mean different things. And, you know, it's, it's been the past couple of years uh, that I think I, I've gotten a little more into um, kind of the cigar culture in terms of knowing what I'm doing, I guess is the yeah. way to put it. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that could definitely take a while and that's, that's something I think a lot of people starting off or that have been in the, the, the occasional category for a while. Uh, you know, one, once people see like the, like true cigar culture, uh, it kind of, it kind of opens their eyes like, Oh, there's, there's like a community here. Mm. And, uh, for the most part, like everyone that I've come across, you know, they've been, they've, you know, the, they make the community good. So. Oh Yeah. And I would say, like, the, the place I'm at today, the bar I'm at now, um, they've been open for 15, 16, 15 years, 16 years, something like that. And I've been coming since they opened. Um, and so, like, I've, I've, I would say I've been a regular, pretty much a regular here uh, ever since, even on and off. I moved away. Came, it was funny. When I moved away, they threw a big party for me here um and gave me like a framed photo of the place and uh, you know a couple of the staff <laughs> shirts and um kept, would send me christmas cards when i lived in california for a year and a half um, that's love man oh it totally is and then i came back and the funny thing is so like back then th- that was my 500 pound days so i would not only like be buying cigars here but buying food and you know my fair share of guinness oh, um, so they, they got to watch the whole transformation though oh yeah well that's the interesting thing like a lot oh. of these people have been like around from the beginning to you know where i am now and you know they're they're very very nice to me here now that i i don't really drink anymore but i still can come in and hang out have a couple cigars drink some soda water 
I bring in my own cold brew concentrate, internal water into a cold brew, that kind of thing. They don't mind. But, you know, when you've been somewhere long enough, you know, and you're a, a fixture, you know, they don't really, they don't really matter. And they're, you know, they're just as proud of, of my journey, like the regulars are, that, as my family is. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's been fun. It's been fun to watch, you know, the changes I've had, you know, go, go through somewhere like that. So, so speaking of that, like, how, how much different do people treat you, uh, you know, when you were 500 pounds uh, and when you were like people that know you going through your transition uh, to now? And then like how like people that don't know you, like, you know, say service industry or whatever, like how much difference is there in the way that people treated you when you were 500 pounds to now? Uh, well, I mean, let's be realistic. When you're when you're 540 pounds, there's not a lot of places you can sit and a lot of places you can fit. Um, so like coming here, like I'm sitting in a booth today. These are tight booths. I could never get into them at all. Um, so I had a table that was my table, you know, it actually, there's, um, for years, I don't know if you ever heard of, there was a thing Guinness did called the Guinness toast yeah. where it was a month before St. Patrick's day. They, you know, it was a big promotional thing for Guinness, but it basically was, you'd give a toast and there'd be a comp competition. We did it every year here. And I would always write a toast, um, kind of dedicated to this place. And one of my toasts is still hanging on the wall at the table that I sat at all the time. So it's still there. Um, but it's, it's funny to see the people that know that that's there and know who I am and the people that I can be talking to who are new, who they're sitting there and I'm like, Oh, just so you know, that's me who wrote that there on that <laughs> wall. Um, but as far as like people treating me differently, like, um, one, I think it's funny how much when you're, when you're that bit, when you're dangerous, I was dangerously overweight. I mean, like, let's be realistic. I was, I was in a danger zone for a long time. Uh, people get wary of talking to you about your weight. Like they don't, they don't want to say anything. They don't want to hurt your feelings. You know, I'm, I'm sure I was big on deflecting that anyway and not letting people kind of into that, know what was really going on and those sorts of things. And then once you do lose the weight and kind of save yourself, you get all the people saying things to you, like family specifically saying things like, oh my God, I thought you were going to die. You know, I was worried you were going to die at any time, uh, which they weren't wrong. Um, but it's just kind of wild to be like, well, you never said that to me when I was big. And they're like, well, yeah, we don't know how you would have responded. And I, I, I think that's fair. Um, I don't think you really can go up to someone with a weight problem and be like, hey, I would love to sit down and talk about your weight because that's not going to go well. Yeah, you know, that's not, that's not going to be taken great. But the funnier thing for me now is, you know, the size I am now, there are people who have no idea how big I was. So they have no idea how things are different for me now, what my life is like for like, even just the ability to move around for me, like it's completely different. And so it, it's funny that some of the discussions start like even like, I'll, I'll start because there's a lot of, you know, keto's hot, you know, it's a hot diet right now. So a yeah. lot of people are talking about it. So you'll hear people start talking about it. So of course, I want to jump in like, I don't I don't force what I do on anyone or even introduce it. But if someone's talking about it, I'll start talking. And I kind of sometimes have had people even when I was at not as light as I am now, but, you know, say 300 pounds and be like, oh, well, you know, have you thought about doing this or that or this, or maybe you could do this to help you lose weight. And I'm like, do you know, like, I, it actually was funny a couple, a couple months ago, probably five or six months ago here, uh, I was sitting with a, with a dude and talking and we were kind of talking about, we were talking about my journey because he knows me and knows what I've been through. And this random guy who's never been before kind of sat down and, you know, especially at a cigar lounge, people start talking. You know, it's one oh, of the yeah. great things I think is amazing about the culture is 
it connects people, you know, so quickly and easily. Yeah. And we start talking and the guy starts to say, you know, well, I lost 50 pounds. And if you really, you should really consider thinking about doing a low carb diet. And that's something I could talk to you about if you wanted to. And my friend was like, yeah, pull up one of your pictures and show him. You know, show him what you looked like before. Uh, you should have messed with him for a while. Oh, we did for a little bit. And then I, I pulled up the picture and I showed it to him and the, his face drops and he's like, yeah, you clearly don't need any advice from me. You don't need, to, you don't need anything from me. He's like, I feel like maybe I should ask you a few questions. And I'm like, I'm here for you, dude. I'm here for you. But it's, it's interesting to, it's, it's amazing to me because like when I used to walk in, it was like you're known for being the big guy. Like you go into places, you're known, like you go to people's houses and things, they know you're going to want to sit somewhere specific. You know, I used to worry about breaking furniture at friends' houses and at family's houses and things like that. Like, cause it happened. Yeah. And so it was always, I would always know going somewhere, where can I sit? Where can I fit? What can I do? And now I can go anywhere and fit anywhere and, you know, get into anything. And so it's amazing to have people not know that history because they don't understand, like, they just don't have a conception of, of what that change is like and why sometimes I can get, um, I don't want to say emotional, but I can be taken aback at times and have those moments where um, different things impact me. And need to kind of take a minute and realize like that I'm doing something I've never been able to do before, which to them they take for granted because they could always do it. So it can be it can be fun to have those discussions with people and kind of get into it and let them know what things used to be like for me and what they're like now and what I do now. And, um, you know, I had a big experience with that a couple of years ago, um, late 2017, early 2018. I was hospitalized with pneumonia. Um, I was still over 300 pounds at that point, like probably around like 350. And I went into the hospital and they just made this assumption, like, here's this guy who's probably never done anything about his weight. His, his, you know, everything's out, his life's clearly out of control and now he's sick and we're dealing with him. And, you know, many times, like I basically got to the point that I put one of my before pictures as the background on my phone yeah. so I could hold it up for the new nurses and doctors that would come in and be like, this, this is where I was you know, six months ago. So yeah. don't, don't try to, cause I would always literally every new person that came in would be like, have you considered weight loss surgery? And I'm like, let's no, I don't want to have that discussion with you. Let's, wow. let's talk about where I've been already. Let's, and it, like they, I even would have nurse, new nurses come in and say, so how much oxygen do you use at home? And I'm like, I don't use oxygen at home. I'm like, I go to the gym five or six days a week at four o'clock in the morning. Like, <laughs> and they're like, you do, you do. Because people make assumptions about you when you're a bigger uh, person. They oh, make assumptions about how you live your life. And absolutely. I, I, I worked for a private ambulance service for a while, and I was a bariatric unit. Uh, I, made oh, yeah. all, I made all kinds of assumptions. I'll tell you that. Like, you know, when, uh, I, think, I think my heaviest patient that I had was uh, 760 pounds. Mm. Um, big, big dude. Oh, yeah. Uh, but then I had another patient that I, I never – I never seen him when he was like, he was, he was close to a thousand pounds at his peak. Oh, wow. But when I took him, uh, he was a bariatric pa patient and, um, like this guy, you know, bariatric worked for him. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when I took him, he was, he was down to like 190 pounds. Oh, wow. Uh, and he had, you know, he had surgeries to remove skin and everything. Oh yeah. And all that. Um, but yeah, when I was, when I worked Barry, oh yeah, I made, I made all, all the worst assumptions, uh, which, you know, I, I could say I was, I was wrong for that. Uh, but I, I'm willing to admit it. Oh yeah. 
I mean, I, I mean, make I make assumptions, and I've been there. You know, like yeah. I think that's just natural in our in our culture. Like we, we we see people and we think things, and you know, yeah. it's just it's 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 a natural reaction because. Let's be realistic. Nine times out of ten, sometimes those assumptions are right. You know about what? Oh, yeah. I mean, not always, and not you know every person's unique, and you know all that jazz. But um, I, I think that's a natural thing that we all fall into. And I have to remind myself sometimes that I don't know if, like, I, I'll sometimes be somewhere, and someone who who's in the shape that I used to be in will come in, and I'll have a friend say, "You should go talk to him about keto," and I'm like. You have no idea if he's already lost 200 pounds. You know, you don't know yeah. what that person's, you don't know if they're having their surgery tomorrow. Like, you don't know. Like, no, back off. Like, give them their space. You know, yeah. Who knows? That, that's the strange situation, though. Like, probably why more people didn't come up and approach you, you know, in your worst days. Oh, Same yeah. reason why most people don't approach each other when you're clearly in their worst of days. But sometimes that's, that's really all you need is the right person at the right time to break you through. To where you can actually see that mountain that you should be already climbing. Oh yeah, I, I had a, I, I had a podcast I just edited today. So a guy that I recorded with last week, a friend of mine who was uh, almost 500 pounds, and he wanted to lose weight but didn't know what to do and had gone through that so many times himself. Didn't really know what to do, and he knew this health was getting worse. Like he, like me, he was showing a lot of signs of diabetes. He was urinating like every every half hour, if not more than that and was starting to freak out about what was happening to him, but didn't know what to do. And one day he came home and his wife said, we have a doctor's appointment tomorrow for you to talk to your doctor about your health, a doctor about your health. And he's like, well, no, it takes a while. And she's like, no, I've made the appointment. I've done the paperwork. I've given all the, the intake questions. We're going. This isn't a question. And, oh yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> we're, we're and doing. you know, he luckily, he was, it, it didn't lead to divorce. Um, you know, they didn't go right to a divorce lawyer instead. Yeah. He was like, okay, let's do this, and went in, and, you know, he's now, you know, he, he, he's in incredible shape now. You know, he's lost over 200 pounds. He's lost, like, 250 pounds. He lifts weights. He works out at this amazing gym in California with some, like, you know, some, some pretty well-known power lifters, and he's made a complete transformation in his life, but if she hadn't done that for him, he probably would have just ended up dying, like, he has, because he was not, he was at a, that place of paralysis. You know, he didn't know what to do. I mean, I was lucky enough that I I'd lost, I had been so involved with losing weight before and, and failing at it that I had the cognizance to kind of keep up with what was going on in, in diet culture and health and find a, a path for myself that ended up working. Um, you know, so I, I think I lucked out that way that I didn't, I didn't need that outside intervention, but sometimes it's a, it's a good thing. I mean, when I was over 500 pounds, I remember once I was in the supermarket parking lot and I had this woman approach me with like tears in her eyes. And she said, I just want you to know there's a way for you to get help. And she handed me her, her bariatric surgeon's business card and said, call him. He's fantastic. And I flipped out on her. Like I read her the riot act, the language I used, we could not probably repeat on a podcast. But uh, I just no remember, hard here. Uh, I mean, like that's, I, you know, I, I told her off really well. You know, when she said, okay, I understand, you know, I'm kind of backed away and left, but um, where did I go right after that? I, I went to the Wendy's drive-thru in that parking lot. And like, well, I was like, I'm going to fucking show her, you know, so I'm, oh. let's, let's have a junior bacon cheeseburger party. Like, you know, I was very, that was very much where my head was then. Like, I was like, screw you. This is my life. You know, I'm not, you're not going to tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, to, for me, it really took, uh, finally realizing that I needed to fight to live, to make change. Like, but I, until I was in that space, nothing, you know, nothing would have changed me. 
I mean, in 2013, I was down to 210 pounds. Um, I was, it was my 40th birthday. My 40th birthday party actually was here at this, at this bar. Um, and I remember that night, my stepmother was crying and said, I've just been so worried you're going to die. And that like shook me. But that was April of 2013. By October of 2013, I was 480 pounds again. I put on 270 pounds in six months. Yeah. You know, I, I fell off the rails. I went deep, deep, deep back into my food addiction and, and let everything go. And I knew every person in my life had told me that they were worried I was going to die. And I was like, oh, well, I guess they're going to worry again. You know, like you don't, when you're not caring, it's very easy to not care about even more. When you don't care about yourself and what your own opinion is, the opinions of other people have zero impact, zero. You know, you can build up a thick shell outside very easily. Yeah. So what, I, I'm curious, um, what was your average drive through order? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I was very specific at each place. Um, you know, for me, like, I, if, if I were to take you to McDonald's, we'll, we'll go with McDonald's. Um, my average McDonald's order was four Big Macs, extra cheese, extra Mac sauce, no pickles, uh, 20-piece nugget, two large fries, a chocolate shake, and a large Coke. Uh, and sometimes apple pies if they were two for a dollar. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, there were days that I would get eight. I, I've eaten eight Big Macs. You know, I actually ate eight Big Macs on the way to dinner with my family one night. You know, I, was, I knew I wasn't going to be able to eat the way I wanted to eat in front of them. So I knew the drive was long enough that I could get a load of food. And I got enough Big Macs that I, I stuffed myself with McDonald's on my way there. Like, I used to, on my way home from work, get Wendy's for the drive home and I would get six junior bacon cheeseburgers with with no tomato and I would say no tomato because I knew that they made them fresh when you ordered a variation you know because you learn all the fat guy tricks at the fast food oh, restaurants yeah. Yeah. you know There's so I would get menu. oh yeah I would get six junior bacon cheeseburgers and a biggie coke and I would finish that by the time I got home and then immediately start making dinner like I was I I I was a, a gourmet cook but I also, you know, had that fast food addiction. Like, I, there was nothing for me on a Saturday afternoon for a, to get a 10-piece family meal at Popeye's, throw in some extra biscuits and extra potatoes and a dozen donuts and take that home and have that for lunch. Like, wow. you know, I, you know there's, there's some bigger people who will say that they didn't eat as much and some of them mean it and some of them just aren't telling you the truth. Um, but for me, I was eating. I was, I was, I was doing my, my damage for sure. You know, I, I remember, yeah, I think it was 2016. I had tried to lose weight for like a month. And once I went off, you know, went, fell off the rails again. I remember going to Taco Bell at like one o'clock in the morning and the dude at Taco Bell said, I thought you died because I, you you stopped coming in, wow. you know, so the, so the drive through people get to know you. Like I would literally go to the same fast food restaurants at the same time so regularly that the people working knew to expect me coming through. Now, it's funny you say that delivering for a restaurant as I have for the last well, nine years or so. Um, I've got a few guys in mind right now that I'm pretty sure have died. A mm. um, couple of them were, were the kind of deliveries where they don't even get up off the couch because they can't. Oh, they yeah. are taking up the entire couch themselves and they just mm -hmm. shout at you to come in the front door and, uh, and these guys were regulars, and then one day they just stopped. Uh, haven't heard from any of them. 
I am definitely curious, but, but yeah, it's, it's a common struggle that people deal with. Oh, I have a, I have a cousin, a second cousin that used to deliver for a grocery service. And when he put what his, his job was in his Facebook profile, he said he delivered groceries to fat people uh, because he was like, literally 90% of the people that I deliver groceries to are homebound fat people, you know, yeah. like dealing with weight problems that are so big that they're not going to the store. Um, you know, and, he, and it wasn't that he was mocking it per se, but he was like, you, you almost sometimes in life, you either are going to make a joke of something or you're going to freak out about it, uh -huh. you know? So it became his thing. He's like, yeah, that's what I do for a living. You know, that's, that's my job. And, and I believe it. I mean, I, I remember the first time they started offering that here in Rhode Island. And I was like, oh, thank God, because I was getting too big to walk around in the grocery store. Like it was too painful. And, you know, as much as you, you have no pride and no shame, I was like, I'm not going to use that electronic cart. Because also I wasn't sure if they were it would take me if I, you know, if I was too heavy for the electronic cart. I didn't know what the, what the weight capacity was. And I really didn't want to ask the store, yeah. you know, can I get on this thing or is this going to break? Yeah. Um, so I immediately was like, oh, I can get my groceries delivered and they're going to carry it into my house for me. This is epic. Like we've, we've got a culture built up in this country that allows for stuff like that to, you know, be reinforced and enabled, sadly. Well, and now it's I mean, now it's a lot a lot of people doing that. It's not just for the uh, for for the big and, unenabled. Oh, yeah. you know, it's, uh, you know, yeah, that there's there's people that are that are perfectly able um to go get their own stuff, but they, they have it delivered out of, out of just pure convenience. And um, for people, and for people that need, you know, need a service like that, you know, I don't fault someone who literally can't get food without it, you know, yeah, there exactly. are people with all kinds of disabilities and issues. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that people can take advantage of that are, are well-meaning and well-intentioned when created, you know, that it's there for a reason to help, like, you know, elderly shut-ins who get their groceries delivered, delivered, relying on something like that, or they're not going to have anything. Like it's, it's, it's. But I definitely used it to my advantage. You know, to keep reinforcing my behavior. Yeah. So now, uh, let's see. I think I asked you uh, just in uh, text through Instagram uh, since since 2017, since you started keto. Um, I asked you how many times that you've had a cheat day or a cheat meal. Uh, I think you said two. Yeah. So yeah. for for over two and a half years now, mm. uh, you've only you've only stepped away from the keto diet twice. Yeah. So did you make those days worth it? Um, to me they were. Um, you know, like <laughs> it, obviously, um, you know. One of them was, you know, like there were, I, I tried to make like, and I think that's a key, key phrase you use is worth it because I think that's something I, I talk with a lot of people who, a lot of the guys I interact with and friends I have that have gone through similar journeys to me, you know, now, like when they head into like living the rest of their life, like they, I have a friend, uh, my friend Dale specifically, you know, he's keto, he's lost like 300 pounds and you'll see him every so often on his account, like posting a picture of a donut or something along those lines because he, he asked himself, is this something that's worth it? And for me, you know, most of those experiences, those, those cheat meals were times where I was like, I can't get this food anywhere else. I can't have this experience with this food anywhere else. You know, Dunkin' Donuts, donuts, I could get every day. Yeah. McDonald's, I could get every day. But like for me, specific, like one of my specific cheats, 
you know, that I've had over time um, is this thing called the Matterhorn Macaroon at Disneyland. It is a mountain shaped and sized shortbread coconut cookie that looks like a mountain. Um, it's got white chocolate on it to look like snow. You can only get it in one location in the world. It's at a specific bakery <laughs> in Disneyland. And I'm telling you, it is possibly the best cookie on the planet. <laughs> like it is literally, like I, I, went, I went to Disney in October and I knew I was planning to have one. And I said to my coach, I'm like, I'm having one. And he's like, well, I can't tell you that it's okay, but you know, you, you can make your choices and live with consequences and all of that. I go, okay, because I'm having one. I'm like, this is something I'm having. You know, I'm not, I'm, and the funny thing is like, I remember uh, like a, was it a year and a half ago, two years ago, uh, I went to Disney with my family and it was the first time most of my family had gone to Disneyland with me. I go with my sister all the time because she lives in California, but I brought my family and they knew about this cookie because I had talked it up. So the, the first night we're at the park, my dad's like, we got to get this cookie. We got to get this freaking cookie. So we got a couple of them and they're all eating them. And my dad immediately is like, we need more of this cookie. And they bought like a dozen of them. They're like four bucks each. And they bought a dozen of them to take back to my sister's house to have for the rest of the week. Because they were like, these are freaking amazing. I had set a rule for myself that I was only going to eat that stuff when I was in the park that one day. So I stared at them for the rest of the week. And was like, oh, I literally hate all of you. You just, you disgusting bastards with your cookies. And then eventually, I, I, I think there was even one day that I opened the bag they were in. So they might stay a little bit on them. <laughs> and I was like, that'll, that'll teach them a lesson. And my dad was like, you know, stale, it gets even a little more chewy. This might be even better now. And I was like, oh, God damn it. You know, what the hell? But so, it's experiences like that. Like, I, like, one of the things I really would love to do someday, probably sometime in the next year, is go, go to Europe, travel overseas. I want to go to Ireland. My family, you know, was descended from, from Ireland. I would love to go. And I've said, when I'm in Ireland, I am going to go to the Guinness factory and I'm going to drink Guinness. You know, if I, I would also love to go to Disneyland Paris. If I'm in Paris in front, in front of the Eiffel Tower at a bakery selling the best chocolate croissant in the world, I'm going to have a chocolate croissant. If I go to Italy, I'm probably going to have pasta. Like, yeah, it's experience. It's like thinking about the experience and whether it's actually worth it. Like, is it worth it to make a box of Kraft macaroni and cheese? Probably not. No. Is it, is it worth it to sit down to a plate of homemade pasta in Naples? Probably is. You yeah. know, it's a food experience. You know, and also we all know that like pasta portions in Italy versus pasta portions in the United States are a little bit different, you know, just a little bit, you know, here, you know, I'm in Providence, Rhode Island. We have a, a thriving, you know, Italian American community and a, a kind of a little Italy section. And if you go to any of these restaurants that are right down the street here, you're going to get like a pound, a pound and a half of pasta in your bowl. Like yeah. fill a and, steak plate. Oh yeah. Like exactly. You know, fill like a salad bowl with pasta. You know, that is a difference in those experiences. And I, I have to, I have to build a sustainable life that the, cause the difference is like when I have that experience, I have to be able to go back to the way I need to be eating, you know, my next meal or my next choice. Like I need to think about what that experience is over. That experience doesn't trigger, you know, a 15 day binge, you know, that, that yeah. experience doesn't lead me to, to three months off the rails. Like that experience doesn't lead me to, needing to buy new pants the next week, you know, like things along those lines, like thinking about, because I used to not think about the future, to be honest with you. Like I used to think I'm going to die. So why worry about it? And I mean, I even, I've shared on, on my podcast and a couple other shows. I actually, when I was, um, this was like 2016, 2017, 
I wrote a letter to my family that I kept by my bed when I went to bed. That was in case I didn't wake up in the morning, like a letter to them saying, I don't want you to be sad. You know, I lived a good life. Like it was this pathetic piece of crap written on paper basically to make me feel better. Um, in my head, I thought it was something I was doing for them, but really it was for me. Uh, you know, it was a selfish thing, but that was where I was. You know, I was in a place where I didn't think I had five more years, so I needed to be ready in case something happened. And yeah. now I can say, okay, you know, if you have this, this Matterhorn macaroon today, you're going to be back in two years to have another one. So you don't have to have four of them. You don't need to have five of them. You don't need to worry about that because it's going to happen again. Every single day. Mm. And that's the thing. Like it, it's about limitations and those culinary, oh. those special culinary things. So for oh, me, yeah. at least like it's meant to be enjoyed, but mm -hmm. just once and maybe once in a while, you know, like, like oh. most harsh things that you could easily get addicted to, you know, even drugs, like it's the repetition. It's the abuse. That's oh, yeah. the issue. And it's the idea that we tie enjoyment to food so heavily mm -hmm. that we forget that food is meant to fuel our bodies and help us do the things we need to do every day. Like my coach, one of the things he said to me early on was, my goal for you is to not see food as fun, but to see food as fuel that can be enjoyed. Ooh. And I laughed at him. I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I will literally never believe that, you know, food is fun. You know, a party... You know, a football party is not a football party without pizza and wings. You know, a night out isn't a night out without beer, like those sorts of things. And I remember I was having a discussion with someone on Instagram, you know, a DM discussion with someone on Instagram who was looking for help. And I, I said the words, you know, I typed the words, you have to get to a place where food is fuel that you can enjoy, not just the fun itself. And I was like, oh, you have to fucking be kidding me that now I'm spouting his <laughs> words at someone else. And I actually said it and I believe it. Like, what the hell? I'm like, I don't want to give him that satisfaction of telling him that I actually believe that. But it is something now that I realize that like, like you were talking about earlier, like when you are following a certain eating plan and change how you eat, it affects your energy and your mood and all of those things. And I have to realize that I feel better the way I live now. I feel so much better the way I live now that why would I go back to feeling like I, I need to sleep 12 hours and I need naps every day. And, you know, I don't feel like I have the energy to do anything. I mean, I'm up, I'm up at the gym by four 30 most mornings. Like I, I do an hour and a half workout and then I go to work and, you know, I'm able to live a life that I can do so many more things now, you know, not to mention the, the, the financial benefits of being smaller, you know, literally, yeah. you know, that clothing, I can, I can go buy a shirt for $10 now. Whereas before, the, I could shop at one store. The shirts were all, you know, T-shirts were $40, never mind an actual dress shirt. And if you needed something in a pinch, you can get it. Like, I went when I went to California recently, I had forgotten some things I needed, but I could go buy them anywhere. You know, I yeah. can buy things at any store. I can, I can look at the souvenirs at Disneyland and buy a sweatshirt or buy a T-shirt or something along those lines and not worry about, well, they have my size and can I afford it? Yeah. Or okay. flying, you know? I have no idea what that's like. I've had dreams of it, <laughs> walking into a clothing store, and everything I see I can actually purchase and wear. I still don't know what that's like, though. Oh, it's the, the wildest thing in the world for me is, oh, like, that is great. the fact that I go crazy over clothes at Walmart. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not even that I want to go to, like, a high-end clothing store. Like, and I went to, I don't know if you guys have Kohl's department store yeah. out there, but yeah. I, I went into Kohl's to buy some clothing for an event a couple weeks ago. And I walked out with 
$300 in clothes that I hadn't intended to spend because I was like, I want this and I want this and I want that. I want that. And I have all these options. Whereas before I'd go in and I could go, okay, I'm going to get a polo in one of 12 colors. I'm going to get a t-shirt with a slogan on it, or I'm going to get a very, very expensive dress shirt. And those are my options, you know, like three, three things to pick from. Whereas now it's like, oh, I want a sweater. Oh, I want a button down. Oh, I need a hoodie. Like I'm a hoodie addict now because I can get my head through the holes. Like even before, like I had a, when I was in 2017, I had a 24 inch neck, you know, so that's a little bit. So even if you're wearing the right size for your body at that size, your head's still not fitting through a lot of the holes. So now my neck is, is a 15 and a half. So, you know, like I, I've lost almost nine inches off of my neck. Like it's insane to me. Like it's just really insane to be like, like I bought a dress shirt and I look at the tag and the actual size on the dress shirt, like dress shirt sizing is a medium. And I'm like, you have got to be shitting me. You know, yeah. I, I, in February of 2017, all of my work shirts were seven X. Like, yeah. so, I mean, most days now I'm wearing an extra large or a large, you know, for comfort on like my actual torso and body, but neck size, you know, my neck is so much smaller than it was. Like it's things you just don't think about. Like it's, it's wild. How do you actually get there then? I mean, the, the keto diet is, is, you know, the, the, the baseline format, it sounds like that worked yep. for you. Uh, that and, you know, what pairing up the, the heavy protein intake with working out is, is that the key? Um, I, I actually, I, I think it's, it's, it's cutting the car. Like, here's what I say, because like people say like, especially a lot of like nutritional experts that are not in the keto sphere will be like, well, you know, keto's not magic. There's, there's no weight loss magic to the ketogenic diet. What the ketogenic diet gave me and gives most people I talk to is control of your appetite and control of your hunger. So you can eat less. Um, for me specifically, I eat 75, about 75% of my calories are fat. Um, whether that's animal fat or avocado or avocado oil or coconut oil. Um, it's that, that fat content and the, the protein give you satiation in ways that carbs don't. They just don't. And, isn't, and so doesn't like, that bring you to, to ketosis? Isn't that the, the yeah. you know, bring your body to that state? Yes. I mean, but realistically... You can get into ketosis just by cutting your carbs out and eating all protein or eating all fat. Like, fill it in however you want to fill it in. You're going to get to – because ketosis is a nutritional state. Uh, like that's the big thing. Like, ketosis is a, is a nutritional state that your body can get into in a lot of different ways. But then it gets into, like, how do you function? Like, I know people that function better on a higher protein ratio than they do on a higher fat ratio. For me, the higher fat is what I thrive on. Like for me, it is what I thrive on. My numbers are good. All of that, all those tests and everything along those lines. So it really, the key to keto is carbs. Like it really is the carb. And then you fill in. It's also about making sure like there's a lot of, there, there are people that will say you don't need to count calories on keto. And I think to an extent that that's true, not because you can eat unlimited, but it's because when you're eating mostly fat and protein, you fill up so much faster and you're satiated and you're not hungry again faster. So you naturally start to reduce your calorie intake. It's something that happens naturally to a person, especially if they're not dealing with like severe food addiction issues or things along those lines, a food, an eating disorder or anything like that. Just by replacing the carbohydrate calorie with, with the fat and protein. But sometimes it can take tweaking. Like for me, like I did for a year and a half, I never counted a calorie. Like I just, I never counted anything. I just ate till I was full. And then I started to not get full anymore. And it was because 
the the mindset behaviors need to be worked on. And by getting into this program that I, I I've been working with the past year, I got to get a handle, you know, on what hunger is and, and how that works for me and what how I handle lower calories and the deeper state keto program is actually based on in a lot of ways on like an adaptive bodybuilding protocol. You don't go into an extended calorie deficit forever. You know, you don't stay at the bottom of your calories for months at on, on end. You know, so three different times during this past year, we raised and lowered my calories gradually, you know, from a low point to a maintenance point and never to a point that the hunger drove me insane. Uh, but there were times like when when I was eating, like, I think like 1650 was probably my lowest calories. Those were rough weeks mentally. <laughs> like, that's not a lot of food. Yeah. But, you know, you're doing it for a reason. And you're not going to be there forever. So, you know, like in a week or two, the calories are coming back up again. So that allows you to kind of know that you're doing that. It also allows you to work on, like, keep your metabolism strong. Like, I run into a lot of people that say, you know, I've been eating 1,200 calories a day for a year and I've stopped losing weight. And I'm like, well, that's because your body is terrified of the fact that you're never going to eat food again. Like, you need to – and then the thing is, it's funny, is, like, they'll take a week or two and eat more and their weight starts dropping again. It's, yeah, it's that, amazing that, that the bio-individuality. Right, like that, that, the bio-individuality. Like the other thing mm -hmm. is like, you know, you said the word plateau. Like I get people all the time DMing me like, I'm on a plateau, my weight's not moving. I'm like, well, how long has it been? They're like 10 days. And I'm like, 10 days is not a plateau. Yeah. A plateau was a month or two. Yeah. Like there are times where our bodies just need to adjust to where they're at, you know, and our metabolisms need to adjust. And it, I think sustained especially when you have a lot of weight to lose. To have a long, sustained journey, you have to start getting used to realizing that different things are gonna affect you differently, different calorie levels are gonna affect you differently. And sometimes it takes some work to put into it. Like you need to, and, and for me, I knew I couldn't get into counting macros and calories and all that jazz alone. Like there's so much research and so many different calculators and all that out there that are free. And a lot of people use them to great benefit for nothing. But for me, I couldn't figure it out on my own. I knew I needed someone to help me. That's, yeah, and I, I knew I was, that I, I failed at keeping weight off so many times. I needed a coach to help me work into this phase too. Yeah. Uh, that's, I, when, when I would do it, I would, I would use my fitness pal and set the macros in there. And uh, I, I kind of suck at inputting data into mm. that. So, um, like, like I said, the first time, uh, you know, I did really good with it. Uh, then I got lazy. So, um, well, that's, I think the key, like you asked, like, um, what, what is really the key to it all? Like, I think the key to it all is finding the program that works for you that you think you can mentally do, whether that's keto weight watchers, you know, just is there's, I don't know if you've heard of, if it fits your macros, that's like, people will eat anything as long as it meets their macronutrient requirements for the day. Like, you'll see them making like protein pop tarts and like a lot of wild stuff, protein ice cream and all those things. Find what works for you, but then commit to doing it consistently. You have yeah. to, you have to just, you have to realize that you can do anything for 24 hours. So just commit to doing it for a day. And when you go to bed that night, commit to doing it again the next day. Like, don't worry about, I need to do this for three years. Don't worry about yeah. you've got four years ahead of you. Like that'll pull you right out of it. Exactly. Like, it, yeah. and like, and that's the thing is I, I talk to people, I talk to people all the time that are 500, 600 pounds, 400 pounds. And they're like, I want to do this, but I just feel like I don't know how to approach having to lose that much weight. And I'm like, you don't have to lose that much weight. 
you just have to lose one pound 200 times. Like focus on one pound at a time. Like yeah. really like, yeah. you know, don't, don't worry. Don't think about losing 300 pounds overnight. Think about, can I, can I lose one pound? I can do that. So do it and then see what you did to do that and do that again. And those little, those little steps add up. And that little bit of consistency allows you by focusing on the, the micro level of it, like taking it into a smaller level, you, you can get more motivated because like when you say you had a successful week after struggling to, to do one day, that buoys you a little bit. Whereas instead of thinking, Oh God, I've got 600 more weeks ahead. Like try not to try not to get so bogged down by the enormity of what you need to do. You know, focus a little bit more on just taking care of like the next. And I say this to people all the time, like don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about your next choice today. Like, can you avoid ordering pizza today? Avoid ordering pizza today. And tomorrow you'll worry about avoiding ordering pizza tomorrow. Yeah. So do you, uh, like with, the, with, with all that being said, uh, do you plan on moving into like having like a, a coaching program or anything like that for yourself? Or um, are you just, are you just going to stick to the, uh, the advice column? Well, it's, that's a good question because it's something I've been thinking about a lot. I get requests a lot. You know, I get yeah. DMs from people, oh, especially, I can imagine. you know, I got, I get questions from people that are, cause especially to be realistic, there aren't a lot of coaches out there that have lost as much weight as I have or lived as big as I live. So the people that are in that place I was in want to, want to relate to someone that's been through it. They don't want to deal with someone who's lost 20 pounds, you know, for a wedding and now they're a coach, you know, and yeah. there's a lot of great, and a lot of those people are fantastic coaches, but Sometimes that puts a barrier up. So I get that request a lot. It's something that I've, I've thought a lot about. And I do feel like I, I know that I would put other people in front of myself. That's the kind of person that I am. So I feel like I need to be living my maintenance life and have built the, the tools I need to take care of myself before I can start taking care of other people. So I, I say it's something I'll do eventually. Uh, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but when it does happen, it's going to be something that I know I can sustain as well. It's something that I can I can offer the real support people will need. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's uh, you know definitely the best way to go about it, in my opinion. So you've already achieved the the key, which is that before and after photo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure there's many, but just just to show them, you know, like anybody that's in in any state, when you're mm -hmm. approaching four or five hundred pounds. You can, you can show them that, look, this didn't even take me all that long. Yes, it's a lot of work. Yes, it's a lot of dedication, but you can do it too. And sometimes that's really all people need to hear. I'm oh, sure it, out for you. Completely. I mean, and that's why, like I say a lot to people, losing weight is, is simple, but it's not easy. You know, it's really, it's simple to figure out an eating plan. It's simple to find what, a diet. Like it's simple to find a program that'll help you reduce your calorie intake. It's hard to follow it's, it. It's hard, it's hard to follow it and to do it every day and commit to do it every day. And that's the challenge. Like that's, and that's the thing I think people need help is realizing that it's possible to do it. Like it is possible to commit. It's like, I, I, I feel if you go into my Instagram, like if you were to go into the pat, like I share the good, the bad and the ugly of my experiences. Like oh, yeah. when I have a bad day, I let people know I'm having a bad day because there are a lot of people out there having bad days and think they're alone. Like we all have shitty days. Like I, when I got started, there were nights I would fricking cry myself to sleep because I wanted to eat. Yeah. You know, I would white knuckle myself through the day at work and go home at five o'clock and go to bed. 
because I knew if I stayed awake, I was probably going to do something bad, you know, yeah. food wise. So now, uh, I know you used to do like one meal a day and whatnot. Uh, uh, do you still, are you still doing like intermittent fasting at all? Or do you kind of go back and forth? Well, I like to say like for me, the one meal a day or, or as people call it the OMAD, um, I, that was never a philosophy for me. It was just that my calories were low. And I know that I, I deal better when I can have a satiating meal, like something I feel is a hearty meal. Um, as my calories have been going up, I've started eating two meals a day. I ate one today because I didn't have time to, to eat more. Um, and I can, I can live doing that. But I, I think for me, it's got to do with, you know, more, um, you know, what kind of time do I have and, you know, availability and access and that sort of thing. But I do do intermittent fasting, you know, even if I am eating two meals a day. Um, I'm probably doing like an 18-6 where I'm fasting for 18 hours and I'm eating for six hours. And again, I don't necessarily like intermittent fasting isn't about cutting out a meal so that you cut out your calories. You're still eating the same calories you should be eating every day just in that shortened window of time. Yeah. It, it allows for your body to do some of the our, – our bodies need our energy to do other things besides digest food. And when you're eating all day, your body has to focus on digesting food all day. So – it allows you to free it up to do some other things that are good for yourself hormonally and regulation wise and healing, like um, healing. Like there's a lot of people that try to say that if you just fast every so often, that helps with loose skin. I think it can help a little bit. It's not going to cure it. Like, let's be realistic. Like at my, you know, I had a waist that was 84 inches like that. I have loose skin on my stomach. You know, it's my waist now is more like 38. Like, like there's, there's a, there's a big difference there. It's, it's not yeah, just, just a touch. Yeah. Just a little bit of a difference there. Like it's not that it's not that it's going to heal it completely, but it allows for a process called autophagy to start to take place more and it allows for so healing or replacement of cells. And there's a lot of Google it, you know, yeah. we, no, that's, we, we, I, we don't, we don't need to go into the, you know, all, all of that science because that, that shit gets boring, but I think there's some benefits to it. And I've done some extended fasts. I've done a seven day. That's how um, I was going to ask about that because yeah, I, I know I, when I, I know, I think it was like right when I started following you, I think you were, I think you were targeting 72 hours and um, you didn't quite make it, but mm. you, you, you came pretty close. Uh, but no, that's, I, I'm in a uh, extended fasting group on, on Facebook. Okay. Uh, the longest I've, the longest I've ever gone is only like 52 hours or mm -hmm. something. But I mean, to me, that was, that was a big step. Um, oh yeah you know, 52 hours without anything but water. And, uh, I had a couple of black teas. Um, you know, that it, it's, it's really eye opening to let yourself find out that after, after 18, 20, 24 hours, you're not hungry. Oh yeah. It's, it, it's, it's pretty crazy, uh, to, to experience that. Um, and like I, I was going to ask, like how, what, what is the longest that, that you've done as far as that goes? Uh, the longest was was a seven day, um, and and you're right. Like that's the thing is like they've they've done bio bio biomedical studies where ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone, uh, the longer you're fasting, the lower your ghrelin levels are. Like your body realizes food isn't coming in, so it stops producing the hormones that make you hungry. Because it's like, fine, you're not going to eat. Fine, We're, we'll just we'll shut this system down for now. Store it in the fat. Yeah, like yeah. we'll just we'll just we'll just move that away. We'll start deal. We'll deal with what you got on the body, and we'll 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 welcome that food when it comes back. Like I've done 48 hour fast now. I've done 72 hour fast. I've done a 96. Um, 
I, I think I, so a lot of the research I've read have started to show that like once you go past 72 hours, a lot of the benefits, the only thing you're really getting, the benefit you're getting after 72 hours is calorie restriction, yeah. like hormonal benefits and healing and all those things after 72 hours. Some of those can actually start to degrade, you know, in terms of how your body reacts. So I, I admire the iron will to do a seven day. I'll never do it again in my life. Um, <laughs> it was uh, the first 24 to 48 hours was okay. Uh, what was, was challenging. Then like the three days in the middle, easy peasy, like not a problem at all. The last 24 hours were hell, literally hell, because that's when, you know, your body knows food, like your mind knows food's coming, your body knows food's coming and you start to get excited about it and you start to see what's going to happen and you start to worry about it and dream about it and and then also like realistically like if anyone out there is thinking about fasting and i'm sure you'll agree with this like look into the science of it and what you need to do to take care of yourself what you need in terms of electrolyte supplementation like don't just die i know people that are like i'm going to do a 72 hour fast and they don't even think about anything else and yeah. by 24 hours in they're dizzy and i'm like whoa because you're not really thinking about this like the other thing i would say is like fasting is easier when you're on a low carb keto diet because your body's oh, sure. not adapted. Like it's, it's so much easier to do then. If you're on a, tr a standard American diet and you decide to fast for three days, you're going to be dealing with all those, those carbohydrate hormone processes still burning in your body. And the hunger will almost be insane. Like, I, I think it's, it's something to really think about. Like I, you know, I've even read there are people who say, you know, if you're going to think about doing an extended fast and you're not low carb, go low carb for a week or two before and then attempt the fast. Like, but yeah. there's a lot of doctors that have written about fasting. I also think anyone, obviously, if they're gonna do an extended fast, should talk to their doctor. I didn't because I didn't have a doctor then and I avoided doctors for almost 30 years because I'm an idiot. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not a smart person when it comes to that, uh, believe me. Um, but I have a doctor that I see regularly now. He knows about intermittent fasting, he supports it. Um, you know, he's very much on board with what I'm doing. So it's, it's good to, it's good to find, and the, the, I think the big thing with doctors that people don't realize is if the doctor they're seeing doesn't like what they're asking about, you can find another doctor. Like, yeah. you, you're a consumer when it comes to your doctor as well as, you know, the person who services you at a store. Like, yeah. have, a, have a dialogue with them. Don't just take what they say as, as law. Yeah, I mean, obviously, don't, don't just cut, try to... You know, find somebody who is absolutely going to going to go along with you and tell you whatever you want to hear, uh, and stick with them. I mean, oh, yeah. find somebody who who knows what they're talking about, uh, or who specializes in in this type of science. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, because that's, I mean, there there is a whole science behind it. Oh yeah, um, you know, like you said, uh, with with intermittent fasting, getting rid of the loose skin and whatnot. Like, yeah. I, I could see that as possible, but man, I can't imagine how long that would take just doing intermittent fasting uh, oh, yeah. because it is so, such, such a small amount. Um, but with that being said, I, I think you've mentioned it before on your Instagram about, you know, people asking you about, uh, if you're going to, if you're going to have surgery to get rid of the skin or not. Um, I, I think the last that I seen, uh, that I noticed or whatnot, you were still in between deciding whether you were going to or not. Have you, have you thought about that anymore or? Well, I, I think for me, there's a couple of things that come into play. One, I'm a chicken. Like I'm a, I'm a real chicken when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, my understanding from people that have gone through the surgery is that I, I've talked to women that have said it's more painful than childbirth. Um, because if you think about it, your skin is held in place by the fascia underneath it. 
in order to do, to do the surgery, they have to move your skin. So they have to rip the lining of your skin to move your skin and allow that to heal. Like it's a very, very painful process that one, I don't know if I could handle that. I'm terrified of being put under all of those things. The other thing is realistically, unless you have medical conditions that precipitate it, insurance isn't going to cover it. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't have, you know, $50,000 to have a full body left done. Like it's oh, just geez. not realistic. Yeah. So God, I, I've never thought about that. That's basically like, like having plantar fasciitis over your entire body. Yeah. Like oh yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I can't imagine that being any fun at all. It's why the recovery from, from skin surgery is like a minimum of 30 days in terms of like not doing anything, not stressing yourself, like almost bedridden in a lot of ways. Like it's a challenge. Like it, and I know some people that have done it very successfully. And like, I know some people that have put on 30 pounds in that month because their gym routines are disrupted and their lives are disrupted and they, they can't stand and cook for themselves anymore. Like there's a lot to think about. Like I think for me, to be honest with you, my skin is not as bad as some other people I've seen that have been my size. So it's not something that interferes with my life or what I do athletically or anything along those lines. So for now, I'm okay with it. Um, I also feel like I would like to be maintenance for probably at least two or three years before I consider it because I want to see where my body gets to and that I, and also prove to myself I can keep the weight off. Never done that before. Like that's the challenge I've never succeeded at. So I need to prove that I could do that before I would be willing to physically change, you know, the structure of my body because if you regain the weight after having skin surgery, it could do some very interesting things to your body. Yeah, I can imagine. They, they take out fat cells where there used to be a lot of your fat cells. So the fat has to go somewhere and it sometimes it goes to places you don't expect. So Yeah. Uh, for me it's there's too many questions and too many, you know, I I know I have some very good friend I have a really good friend who's just recovered from it and he loves it. It's the best thing he feels like he's ever done. For me, I I mean like I said I'm 46. If I wait a couple years in maintenance, I'm going to be pushing 50. I don't want to be 50 going under the knife and you know, all of that. Like I, I think I'm, I'm more than thrilled with where I've gotten to and where I've gotten my body to. So if I look a bit like a flying squirrel, when I take my shirt off, I look a bit like a flying squirrel with my shirt off. I'm fine with that. Like, you know, if anything, it's kind of funny. Like I, it's, it's led to some good discussions at the gym when I'm taking a hoodie off cause I'm sweating and you know, your shirt comes up and the person next to you is like, holy shit, how much weight have you lost? Like, wow. you know, cause they can see the flipping and flopping going on. Like it's, uh, so it, it's, a, it, I, it's, it, it's, it's cliche, but it's a badge of honor to me. Like it's, it's a reminder of where I was hmm. and where I've come to. Yeah. It's so. a good way to look at it. So, um, uh, you mentioned Guinness earlier. Obviously you're not drinking any Guinness while you're, while you're keto. Um, but do, do you drink at all? Uh, are, are there any? Are there ever any occasions where you decide uh, to to have a little bit of whiskey or anything? Uh, I did initially on keto. Um, last December at my company's holiday party was the last time I drank. Uh, so we're coming up on a year. Um, it'll be a year next weekend, and I had a couple of vodka sodas, probably four, I think. I was hung over for four days. Oh, jeez. Um, like, not only, I, I mean, so there's two components to it. There's the hangover, which was awful. Like, just awful. Two, when I drink, I make bad food choices. 
So I know when I get drunk is when I, like I literally last year came home from that party and looked for anything I could eat in my house, even though I knew I shouldn't have. Luckily, yeah. the only things I had in my house were frozen or raw. So there was no way at two o'clock in the morning drunk, I was going to thaw a steak and cook a steak. Like that wasn't <laughs> going to happen. But I, I, so I think for me, it's, it's one of those things where people are like, oh, did you have an alcohol problem? Is that why you don't drink? Like it's got nothing to do with that. Like for me, it's more the, the effects of the alcohol just or something that um, I, I don't enjoy. Does it mean yeah. I won't ever have a cocktail again? Probably not. Like I'm sure there'll be some points where I have a glass of wine somewhere or, a, you know, like a vodka soda or something like that. Or like I said, if I go to Ireland, I'll have some Guinness, but I'll be prepared to know that I'll wake up the next morning in my, my, my Irish hotel uh, feeling like a bag of crap. Like I had leprechauns dancing in my head, like yeah. most likely, like it's just something for me that, you know, I enjoyed, but it was never something that was such an integral part of my life that I miss it. And luckily I can, I can have all the cigars I want and there's no carbs in them. So exactly. You know, exactly exactly you know that i i the funny this is really funny like i was looking forward to talking to you guys about this because this just the sheer number of, of keto dudes out there that smoke cigars but they don't talk about it on instagram because they don't want to be seen as like the unhealthy keto people i post that i'm smoking a cigar during the week i post the ones i like i, I share all that um so then i get the dms from the guys that are like i didn't realize there was another keto guy that smoked cigars so the, the keto convention that I go to every year in Austin, Texas, KetoCon, that I'm actually speaking at this year. Um, awesome. I'm planning to do a cigar meetup with some of the dudes there, like at an actual cigar lounge. Because last year we did an informal one with like six or seven guys after dinner one night. And I've, I've got like a dozen people that are like, are we doing an actual meetup this year at the cigar bar? Are we actually going to do that? So, you know, that, that cigar bar is probably not going to be ready for the fact that they're not going to sell a lot of beer that night. They're probably going to sell more vodka and bourbon and, and whiskey and that kind of thing. But well, how, where, yeah, where, is, fine. where is the con in Austin? Uh, is it, is it in Austin proper or yeah, it's at the Palmer event center in, in right in Austin. I was going to say, cause there's, there, there's a, there's a magnificent shop South of Austin in Buda. Um, it look that up and see how far it is from the convention center. And, uh, if, if that's an option, um, I would definitely look into that. It's a it's a small lounge, uh, but he's got a great back patio. Uh, it's a real cool place. Uh, we we had our cigar geeks meet up there a couple oh, of nice. years ago, and um, like the uh, Brian, my buddy Brian uh, works there, and uh, you know he does a fantastic fantastic job with entertainment and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it, it is it is a fantastic little little community nice. uh, of of cigar smokers and whatnot. And, uh, I, I would, I would definitely look into it if, if you're going to be on the South end of Austin or anything. Um, what's the name of it? Uh, Here. the cigar, the cigar vault. Oh, cool. cool. Uh, it's, it's an old, it's an old bank from like the, the late 1800s. Oh, wow. And, the you know, the, the, the walk-in humidor is, uh, is the vault, mm. like the, the original vault. So, oh, wow. Um, and then there's, there's the, the original safe in there as well. So, um, real, real cool, real cool spot to visit. I mean, even if you don't have the meet up there, uh, oh, yeah. you know, head down there, check it out, uh, ask for Brian and, you know, Brian will take care of you. Definitely. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Thanks. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I, 
you know, when, when I was doing keto, I definitely didn't, didn't, uh, I didn't really like, it's like, Oh, whiskey has no carbs. Uh, I guess I could just sit here and drink, drink as much whiskey as I want while, while I'm keto. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, I didn't do much research when I started it. Uh, and now, it, uh, you know, I've seen a few things. It's like, yeah, you, you probably shouldn't drink at all while, uh, while you're on keto, but well, the, the science of it is, you know, the, it's not carbs, it's calories. Um, but your when your body has to process alcohol, cause alcohol is a toxin, it needs, it shuts down the fat burning process for that amount of time. So to get the alcohol out of your body, you're not in fat burning mode or weight loss mode at all. So it's just, it's a choice you make to, to, you know, have a little bit of a temporary setback, but I know a ton of dudes that, you know, have a whiskey or a vodka, you know, once or twice a week and are still losing weight at a, at a fantastic cliff. Like for me, like I said, it's because for me, pizza, you know, drinking leads to pizza, drinking leads to McDonald's, drinking leads to delivery, you know, yeah. drinking leads to, to che- cheese fries, you know, all that good stuff. Oh, for, for sure. A hundred percent. That's uh, they said like, you know, a lot of people that, you know, with the beer guts, it's not the beer that's giving them the gut. It's the oh, yeah. food that you're eating while you're drinking the beer. Uh, all the bar food and, and whatnot. So, oh yeah. Um, so, uh, one thing, uh, me, me and you have been talking about getting together to do an episode for forever, uh, but our schedules oh, yeah. just never line up. Uh, you you also do trivia. Mm-hmm. So, how long have you been doing uh, doing trivia? Uh, I've been a trivia host for coming up on like nine years. You know. It's, more, this might actually be my ninth year. So I've been hosting at various, um, I work for a company, so I don't have to put the games together. I, I'm, I like to say I'm the talent. They drop the equipment off for me. I just show up and look pretty and host, um, or, well, or look homely and post, or if you want to look at it. Um, <laughs> but it's just something that, you know, I, it's a, a good second gig and it can be some fun. Um, I've been doing the two bars that I'm doing now, my two nights. One of them, I've been there for a little over five years now. And the other one, I think we just hit like three years. So it's regular gigs. You get your following. You have your, your fans and your regulars who know to follow you. Like when I was in the hospital, uh, when I got, had the pneumonia, I, I was out from trivia for a little over two months because I was hospitalized for 17 days and bedridden for over a month after. So I, it took me some time to have the stamina back to be able to do it. And... Um, People missed me being there, so it was funny. I actually started getting messages on Facebook. Are you coming back anytime? Let us know when you're coming back, because we'll start going again when you're back. Uh, oh, wow. So you get a little, a little bit of a fun following, but I have a good time doing it. Like it's a, it's a, you know, it can be frustrating to deal with know-it-alls and people who think they know more than you do. And be, I don't know these things. I just have the answers on paper in front of me, and I'm always like, okay, prove me that I'm wrong, and I'll give you points. But otherwise, <laughs> get away from me. Um, you also learn how to deal with drunk people. That's another reason why I think it affects my willingness to drink. I see what it's like to be around drunk people when you're not drinking. Uh, the indignant That's- mobs. Oh, for sure. Good for luck. Sure. <laughs> yeah, one, of, one of the nights I do is actually right near the local um, Ivy League University. And so we get a lot of people who know. Like I, I remember one night I asked, a couple, I asked a question about Egyptology. And my answer turned out to be wrong. And I found out I was wrong because there was a team of, of eight PhD level Egyptologists playing that night. Oh, wow. And they're like, 
um, this is our field and we know that you're wrong. And I was like, okay, okay, you get the 10 points. You'll, you'll get the points. Like, don't worry. My credentials do not. I know. Uh, I, I also, I also like to make the joke because we have a rule about having your phones out while you're playing. Cause that's how people cheat. Yeah. And so I like to say, if you are a heart surgeon on call, you can, you can answer your phone if it rings during a round. And I literally had a guy raise his hand one night because there's a medical school right there too. And he goes, I actually am a heart surgeon on call tonight. So I was like, well, then you, sir, can take your phone out whenever you want to. I'm not going to stop you. Like, that's fine. That's fine. So that's, I mean, uh, that's got to make for interesting trivia nights. Uh, oh, yeah. But. Uh, that's my my buddies run a a, a trivia podcast. Uh, oh, nice! Called called Trivia Rogues. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I thought it was I thought it was crazy. I, I was talking to Pat McNamara, and found out that like while we were talking, found out that he was a trivia host as well. Oh wow! Um, he, he likes to host trivia at, at his local bar. I was like, wow, there's you know there, there's a whole lot more trivia in my life than I ever realized. You know. Uh, I, am not one for trivia, but I do like learning random things. Mm. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons I do this, uh, mm. just, just so I could learn as much as I can about whatever random shit that I can. Oh yeah. But, uh, well, I, I think it makes sense, you know, cigar, cigar lounge culture, people oh, yeah. sit around and people sit around and talk about trivial shit all the time. So yeah, exactly. But, uh, let's see. So that's your third cigar. It is. It is. Um, I just lit up a uh, Guayacan by Noel Rojas. Mm. Um, it's the uh, Habano Ecuador. So I got the, I got this. I got the Mbombe, and I got the Padilla that I gave to Joe here. Uh, those were all in my uh, my Stogie Bird that I got this past month. Um, are, are you in any cigar clubs, uh, any uh, like cigar of the month clubs or anything like that? Um, not really. I've, I've, I've worked a little bit with um, luxury cigar um, and gotten them a couple of times. But beyond that, it's not been something I've I, it's funny because I tend to like what I like. Um, I'm a big fan right now. Of, like my first cigar today uh, was I, uh, a Mi Carita by Steve Saka uh, from Dunbarton. And it's it's funny because um, I actually got to meet him because of my weight loss. Um, yeah, yeah. He, I was following him, you know, following him on social, and we were Facebook friends and that kind of thing. So he's seen my journey, and I got a message from him one day that said, "I want to come, I want to come smoke a unicorn with you." And the unicorn is the cigar that he makes like a thousand of them every time he makes them. Yeah, you know, it's a hundred dollar cigar, something I would never buy for myself, and. He's from New Hampshire, which isn't too far from me here on okay. Rhode Island. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, it was actually right before I went to KetoCon in, in, in June, July. Um, he came down right before the Vegas show and drove down, drove four hours just to hang out with me. And he wanted to ask questions about weight loss and kind of congratulate me on my journey and how far I've come. And it probably was one of the best nights of my life here, to be honest with you, like in terms of like. <laughs> Because like he's someone that I admired, obviously. Like he he does such amazing work with what he puts together, and yeah, he brought down. We we smoked unicorns and a couple other things, and he released a few new cigars this year: the Micarita Tricky Traca and the Sobra Mesa Brule. And yeah. he gave me some pre-release of those and a handful of cigars that were like blends that he was testing, and like it was just amazing to sit and be able to talk to him 
you know, about his experience, but also he, it was, I think it was fun for him because we didn't just talk about cigars in the cigar industry. You know, he was able to ask me questions about weight loss and fitness and what I did. And like, it was, it was probably a, re, it was a really kind of amazing experience that I wouldn't have had if, if I hadn't gone on to this journey. Like that never would have happened. I, you know, I might've met him at an event at some point, but to have him travel just to see me yeah, for, uh, was, for, was an for, honor. For him to seek you out instead of the other way around. Um, yeah, that's, that's gotta be awesome. So I, I obviously have to ask, how was the unicorn? Um, the unicorn was amazing. Um, it was a fantastic cigar. The funny thing is like, he gives it to me and he says, I just want you to know this isn't a hundred dollar cigar. He's like, it's, it's a hundred dollars when you're going to buy it at a retail store. He goes, it's a great cigar, but he being the creator, of course, sees the, the problems he has with his cigars, like what yeah. he, about his, you know, what he thinks. And I was like, no, this is a really, really, this is probably the best cigar I've ever smoked. And he's like, you're being kind. And I'm like, no, really, I mean it. This is one of the best cigars I've ever smoked in my life. Um, he also left another one with me that I held on to. And I just smoked recently because I, I held on to it to be kind of my celebration cigar when I kind of hit the end of my weight loss journey. I was like, that's you. I need a moment. You know, I feel like another unicorn had to be a moment in my life that I need to mark. Because yeah. otherwise, I don't want to touch that hundred dollar cigar sitting in my humidor until it was, you know, I was ready to touch it. Yeah. Um, but it was a, it was a fan. It was a strong, a nice strong cigar. Had a great draw, a great burn. Like I could not identify anything wrong with it. Like maybe I don't know enough, you know. But I, it was, it was a per, a perfect, perfect event. Awesome. So, uh, so do you have you had anybody else? Uh, um, Either, either in the cigar industry or outside, um, you know, have you had anybody else like, uh, I guess, uh, well known in their own industry or anything like that? Um, have you had anybody else reach out to you for anything like that? Or, uh, I mean, most of the people I would say are probably the ones that I picked at you, like through like the health and fitness community, um, those sorts of people. Um, I at KetoCon this year, like I, I work. I, I've been connected to the, there's a salt company that's big in the keto world called Redmond that they mine their salt in America. So like, it's, it's just salt. It's just salt. Um, yeah. But it's just, they don't add anything to it. So it's, it's got some great taste to it, but I connected with them just through social media and they invited me to an event at KetoCon the night before the, the convention started. And it was basically like a who's who in the keto world. So it was my Instagram feed came to life. Like every person that, <laughs> that I've looked up to or have learned from and, you know, have all these followers, um, they, you know, were all there. And then it was funny because a lot of them knew who I was, you know, and like, so we had some great interactions and some great discussions and got to see them as real people. Um, I, I've gotten to connect with, you know, I've had a couple other people kind of from that fitness, you know, kind of area, like uh, Matt Vincent, who's uh, the founder of Hate Brand Goods. He is a Highland Games champion who he's done keto himself a couple of times. And we, we, you know, I've just followed him on social media and we DM every so often. And he came on my podcast to talk about his experiences. Um, there's another, there's some other big weight loss influencers that have, you know, podcasts that get thousands of the times more listens than I get um, that I, I've been able to connect with just because they've seen my story and wanted to talk. And I've got to kind of find out more about their stories and, you know, it's been mostly in that sphere, I would say. Uh, it's it's not like what you've done isn't impressive or anything. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's like funny. Like, 
it, that was one of the things that was really funny about my like Matt and I have been you know peripherally connected but you know he's got I don't know like 75,000 followers and like a, a business and he exists in like the powerlifting like strongman arena so the, the 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 big fat guy weight loss arena isn't necessarily his sphere so no. during the podcast like I knew he, I knew he wanted to use it as an episode of his show too so he's like I want to ask you some questions is that okay so he starts asking me about my story and I tell him how, you know, I was 540 pounds and I lost it all and regained it all. And he was kind of dumbstruck for a minute. He's like, dude, I had no idea you went through that. And I'm like, well, yeah, this is, this, you know, this is what I, this is my life. This is my experience. Like, you know, he, he's like, wow. He's like, I was impressed by the fact that you've lost it now. He's like, but you, you've done this more than once. Like, yeah, you know, as awful as it is that I failed, um, just the, the sheer fact that I can say that I've done that more than once um, carries a little bit of no pun intended weight to it. Oh, exactly. So, uh, so how do you like doing the podcast? Uh, I like it a lot. Like I, I'm, I'm sure. I think this is something you've probably been through. Like I hate my voice. Like I literally, I hate my voice. Um, so I actually, I bought the domain and. And signed up for Podbean and like recording and everything, and didn't do anything for a year because I kept recording a first episode and deleting it. I recorded and deleted my first episode seven times, um, like full on recorded, full on deleted seven times. Wow. No, see that's but, I'm not I'm not too worried about my voice, but like when I'm doing like the intros and outros to the shows, like I'll I'll go through those, you know, four or five six times. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, mainly because I'm too stupid to write anything down and actually mm. go from that. I just try to think of it at once and, you know, go at it in one go. Uh, oh, yeah. But uh, so that makes me have to repeat myself plenty of times. But uh, and I, I mean, like what, what I what I came to with it was uh, and it's something actually, again, Matt, Matt Benson said on one of his episodes that no one really sounds good doing their podcast. You know, no one get feels comfortable doing it. till they're like at episode a hundred yeah. and you don't get to episode a hundred without doing 99 episodes before that. So I was like, if I'm going to do this, I have to do it. So I actually, I got four episodes recorded before I even launched it. Cause I was like, I need to commit to doing this. I need to make it happen. And I said it as one of my goals for this year was to get it launched. And I did it and getting it started initially, I was still nervous and do I know what I'm doing and do I, how do I sound and all this? And like, as soon as I started putting it out there, I started getting feedback from people that they really enjoy it and they're getting a lot out of it. And, you know, I've started, I've got this long list of guys to have on the show. Like it's, it's probably got about 30 or 40 people on it that I'm trying to work through who want to come on the show or I've invited them and they've said yes. And I, I think I hit a niche with it. Like I, my podcast, it's like you said earlier, like it's the Fat Guy Forum. Uh, I tell the stories of, of dudes that uh, have lost a lot of weight, that have lost a little bit of weight, have or haven't lost any weight yet, and are just living life as a fat guy. Like I wanted to be that in, that platform that starts to tell the stories of the guys that weren't fitness athletes their whole lives and gained thirty pounds after college and then struggled to lose their thirty pounds, like. I'm dealing with the guys that, you know, a lot of the guys I've had on have saved their lives by making changes and it's not all keto. Uh, I sometimes get people mad at me because I'll talk to people that have had weight loss, you know, had weight loss surgery or done weight watchers. And they're like, why aren't you pushing keto on them? I'm like, cause that's not the purpose of my podcast. Like yeah. the purpose is to tell their stories and to help people see it's possible to do this a lot of different ways. And, um, 
some of the episodes are just like what about what it's like to be a fat guy. You know, I did an episode that was solo that was just about my life at 540 pounds. And I shared literally the down and dirty details of what it's like to be that big. Like I talked about going to the bathroom and showering and getting dressed and going to work and just what all those things are like. And it was when I recorded it, I was like, am I telling too much? Am I sharing too much information? Like, is this a TMI moment? Like what's going on? And the sheer number of people that messaged me and said, oh my God, I deal with those same problems and I didn't know anyone else did. You know, I, I'm do I have to do that still now. Like I have to do X, Y, and Z. Like, you know, I, I realize that telling these stories is, is important and it's important that, you know, I stay true to the mission of my podcast. Like, just like your, I mean, your podcast, the Herbcast, I don't necessarily think you're going to have someone come on here who wants to tell people not to smoke cigars, like, <laughs> you know, and is against cigar culture. Like, I, I don't, I get, I get DMs a lot from women that want to come on my podcast and I'm like, but it's, it's the fat guy forum there. If you want to have the fat girl forum, maybe we could start that. But I do think I, I, I have said that after I've been on for a year, I would like to have like, um, the wives and girlfriends of some of these guys come on and talk about what it's like to be married to someone that's 500 pounds, 600 pounds and what yeah. you deal with. Like, I think that could be fascinating, like to yeah. hear about what that's like. But I, I think there's, and I, I know four or five other women that are doing podcasts that are great for those women's stories. And I direct people there and I'm like, go talk to these people, go talk to this person. <laughs> like you, I'm really, so I know you really want You really badly want to come on my podcast, you know, but it's not the, this is not, I don't want to deviate from what the mission of my podcast is because I think there's so many podcasts now, you know, there's millions of them out there. Like Ooh. if you don't have, you don't have a, a unique voice, um, you get lost. So I, I want to, I, I feel like my voice is starting to become really defined in this space and I want to keep it as it is. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's, um, that's how I was going to say, you know, as far as not having any, any women on it, uh, you know, to share their stories. I was going to say, you know, do, do you think anybody would be interested in hearing that in your audience? But I, I guess if you're, if you're directing them to the shows that, that are more focused on that, that's probably a better way to go. And I, and I think there's other places to do it. Like, you know, I've talked to some women about doing like lives on Instagram, you know, and like yeah. allowing, you know, using that space. Cause I think that's a different space. Like I, it's not the fat guy forum when I go live on my Instagram page, like, I think there's other places to do it, other times and places that are appropriate. So uh, what else are you into outside of trivia, cigars, and keto? Um, sleeping. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, my day job is marketing for a construction company, so I kind of geek out on marketing sometimes, like all the latest on like digital marketing and, and new, new spheres like that. Um, I'm a comic book geek, diehard. Um, I, I still, it's funny because I, before I went keto, I kind of dropped out of it because I was spending all my money on food and going keto, my, my budget's freed up a little bit. So I've gotten back in on some levels to comics. So, you know, I, I've gotten, I, I've started to kind of bring that part of my life back to life and I enjoy that. Like, um, I used to be a big TV geek, um, I barely watch TV now. Um, I'm more of a podcast geek. I watch, I listen to podcasts and I read books. Um, I love diving into like, um, like stoic philosophy is a big thing for me. Um, I discovered stoicism when I was in the hospital and thought I was going to die. Um, and someone recommended a book to me that kind of changed my life. So 
um, I think that is something that I, I always like learning more about and having discussions like that with people. But uh, connecting with people and, and, and helping people is something that just really has become a passion. So I think I spend a lot of time doing that. I don't have, I don't have much time for other things besides that and family and, you know, those sorts of things. So what book was that? Um, it was Ryan Holiday's book, Obstacle is the Way. Uh, he has a, a trilogy of books in that series. There's uh, Obstacle is the Way, um, Ego is the Enemy, and Stillness is the Key was just released. Uh, he also is the author of uh, a book called The Daily Stoic, which is a daily reader in Stoic philosophy. Um, it's all like the ancients, the, you know, the ancient Stoic philosophers and kind of interprets it for a modern, a modern message. And, but Obstacle, and it's an, a very easy read. Like it's not 18 deep, dark chapters on, you know, Greek philosophy or anything along those lines. Like it's, it's small stories of people that apply Stoic philosophy in their life. And so he interviewed, like, there's a lot of coaches that, that are very much into Stoic philosophy and a lot of like entrepreneurs and business people and things along those lines. And it gives you little lessons. It gets you to think about like one of the big things behind Stoicism is the concept of memento mori, which is, you know, remember that you could die at any time. And for a long time, for me, something like that would have meant, you know, live fast, die hard. And instead, it's, it's really more about in the Stoic tradition that you want to live every day as if it were your last. And if that's how you want your last day to be remembered, like, did you do your best that day? Because that's the day that people are going to remember, you know, your last day. Mm-hmm. So that book really, I, cause honestly, in, when I was in the hospital, I thought I was going to die. Like I, I was, it was, I was close. Like I was told that if I had waited three hours to go to the emergency room, I wouldn't have survived. Like there would have been nothing they could have done. The, the pneumonia was that bad wow. and finding, you know, kind of peace in that direction and something that helped me frame my experiences. And then it also ended up supporting my journey, you know, to health and fitness, realizing that every day is a day that I have to try to do my best. And, you know, I, I can't control the things that I don't have control over. Like we, we spend so much time as people worrying about things that we can't affect like other people. Like I can't control what either of you guys are going to say during this podcast. I can just react. Yeah. And you know, why, why should I get overly emotional and reacting and, and freak out over something if I can't change it and I can't control it? And why do I worry so much about my past and my past mistakes? Like for a long time, I was bogged down in how bad I had lived my life and what I had done to myself. And I eventually realized that I can't stay focused in that place. I have to continue realizing that there's a future ahead and I'm living today and today is what matters. Yeah. So, uh, you know, going back to earlier after that discussion, uh, going back to earlier, you, you celebrated with the, with the second unicorn. Yes. Uh, do, do you have much of a collection at home or no? Um, I do to some extent. Uh, I wouldn't say it's like a big extensive. I've, I've got two small humidors and I actually just ordered a third cause there was a sale for black Friday that i got into and realized I don't have room for them. Um, so it's more like I find what I like and I use it and um, keep moving forward with that, you know. So, so I, I've got a I've got a wide uh, I would say a wide selection of sakas still some left over from my encounter with him, but also they're just favorites. Um, I tend to like Maduros, so I have a selection of Maduros, and I've got I've got some cheap everyday ones in there too, you know, because you can't smoke a can't smoke you know a ten dollar cigar every day or you're not going to have any money left at the end of the year. Exactly. Um, so do you have. Do you have any cigars that you have set aside for special occasions or are you of the mind that, um, you know, uh, you you could turn any day into a special occasion and, uh, you know, you got to smoke them sometime. 
Um, I would say like that's where uh, that's kind of like where my where my life is at. Like I, if if I have a good cigar and want to smoke it, I smoke it, even if it's on a Wednesday in between jobs, you know, like that kind of thing. And I don't say, oh, this is a twenty five dollar cigar. I got to save this for a special day. I will say. Um, I, I've got one cigar that is unproduced by Saka that is the unicorn blend, but in a different shape. Um, and that one is still there um, in my humidor waiting for me to find a good day to smoke it. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I was going to say, you know, obviously keeping something aside for, for a goal is, is one thing, but uh, just sitting and staring at it and waiting for that special occasion to randomly pop up. That That's another um, that's, I, I, I was, uh, I was smoking a lot of the, uh, the everyday cigars mm-hmm. for a while. Um, and then I realized like I was, I was smoking more of those, uh, cause I, I would get like the, the overruns on cigar page, uh, yep. for, for like a buck 87 a stick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I found like I was, I was smoking more of those than anything good. For the most part, which don't get me wrong, they're they're not bad cigars. They definitely get the job done, and they good. They perform well. Um, but here I am spending money on on these, even though it's not that much. But I've got you know humidors full of just random uh, more more premium cigars, and I, I found myself not smoking them anymore because I was going to the overruns. Um, so like I. Like I, I stopped buying the overruns for a while so that I could kind of focus on, you know, smoking the, smoking the better stuff on a regular basis and, and enjoying it a little bit more. And in doing that, I've kind of cut my smoking back a little bit because I'm not smoking four or five cigars a day anymore because I have them to burn through. Now it's, now it's more of a, um, you know, I'll smoke one or two cigars a day, sometimes three. Um, but when I do, they're the, you know, I'll, I'll generally plan it out so that, all right, this one will follow that and that one will follow, you know, finish up the night. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's, I, and I, and I, and I keep telling myself that I'm going to stop buying cigars for a while mm. and then something, something I got to have is released, you know, limited release or some shit. Oh, like yeah. that. Like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, too many good cigars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, but I, I have been doing good with, uh, with not buying so many. So, I mean, that's a plus. I, I'm trying to stick to my, my cigar of the month clubs and, and that's it. Um, but you know, we'll see. Nice. Nice. I like that. One of the, one of the best things about cigars, as long as you're keeping them in a humidor, they don't really ever go bad. Mm. Keep them for years. Yeah. Still, sometimes they get better. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm still new to the cigar thing, but, uh, well, I, I, I still think of myself as new. I don't really know, you know too many. Uh, I have a, a good dozen that I could go to, and I know it's going to be a great stick. But, mm. but yeah, I mean, keep it keep it humidate, or, uh, you know, humidified and, and ready to go. And yeah, that's, it'd be nice to have a stockpile, though. <laughs> you know, talk, talking about cigar culture and, and the lounges and whatnot. I mean, that's you know, me and Joe met uh, at, at one of the local lounges here. Nice and. Um, you know, now it's whenever I could get up to the lounge on a Wednesday. I know he's going to be there, and um, you know that's that's how we got to know each other. Um, but awesome. yeah, some 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 of uh, some of the best people I know 
uh, I've met through cigar geeks and now, now there's, there's a handful of us that we get together every year. Um, you know, so yeah, definitely a lot of good things to be said about cigars. Um, for sure. For sure. Um, so what's, uh, what's the next step? Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, you mentioned maintenance and weight loss. Uh, and, and when you left, uh, when you left, uh, deeper deeper state keto that wasn't because of any anything bad it was because you switched from weight loss to to maintenance oh and and i'm still working with that coach like i were he were he's working me through my process to get ready for maintenance it's december 31st is our last official day together okay so just to just to clarify the the weight loss stage is you know the obviously the goal is active weight loss uh and then the maintenance stage is more focusing on physical activity and whatnot, correct? Um, it, it's physical activity, but more um, about finding like my, my body's like maintenance calorie level, where what macros feel good, what I can live with, and then starting to learn more about um, getting out of like intense tracking all the time and, and learning if I can handle intuitive eating and I can, you know, approach food from a hunger standpoint and not from a, I have to hit certain numbers. and you know, learning more about how my body reacts to that now and how do I handle that mentally and working through all that. So we'll so, start doing some challenges for me on that. Like next week I have my first day where I'm not going to plan out the full day and track it all. I'm just going to eat when I'm hungry and we're going to see what it all adds up to at the end of the day and how, how, I, how I handle it. Okay. So you're not going to keep track of it throughout the day, but at the end of the day, you'll, you'll figure it out. So you're yeah, not, to see what, not to see how I, to- yeah, to see and to see how my hunger, how I reacted. Like, did I? And we're gonna stay in touch that day a lot. Like, so he'll say, "How are you feeling? What's going on? Like, how are you handling that meal? Like, what did you eat? Like, um, and then come back together at the end of the day and add it all up and see how I did." So, it what what would be your your uh, your beginning advice to anybody out there who is who is looking for a a, a different way or a lifestyle change or, you know, just that first step? Well, I, I think the first thing to do is to think about like what kind of eating you, you respond to the best. Like what are the foods that you feel like you can't live without? What are, what are the things that are in your wheelhouse? Um, I think anyone who has a massive amount of weight to lose and deals with kind of food control issues should consider a low carb keto way of eating. Um, I think it helps with hunger so much. Like it really does help with hunger and cravings. Like it kills your cravings in a lot of ways. Like, so I, I think sometimes that's a problem for people when they're doing like a, a Weight Watchers type or a, just a calorie restriction. They're still craving the things that they used to eat. And keto can help you with that in a lot of ways. So I think finding the plan that you think you can live with, uh, putting in, starting to just basically start, do it. Like, don't worry about being perfect on day one. Don't worry about being perfect on day 10. Start doing what you need to do, set a plan in place. And after 30 days, see how you feel and how you're doing. And, um, evaluate and don't be afraid to make changes. Don't be afraid to change what you're doing. Um, I think sometimes we get locked into doing a certain plan a certain way. And then if that doesn't work for us, we give up. Uh, I think instead be willing to other op- look at other options and realize like figure out like what your why is for doing it because your why for going keto or, or losing weight isn't to to eat keto. Your why yeah. for going on Weight Watchers isn't to go on Weight Watchers. It's to you know to help your life and get your mobility back and all of those things and keep those things in focus 
and and build small goals, build big goals, and and just really be consistent. Like consistency is the number one key, I think, to any successful weight loss person. Like being consistent. So obviously, keto. Uh, most people are going to think of keto uh, as as heavy on the heavy on the meat and whatnot. Uh, so, do you or anybody that you're connected with, like uh, as far as like vegetarian or vegan keto options like is it is it I, I know it's not impossible but how how much harder is it to do without any animal proteins well there's a couple of reasons it's a little more challenging like one you know we could get into a debate about the plant-based proteins and how actually accessible they are to your body nutrient wise yeah. and what density of those materials you need like i think that's a whole big debate going on um but I think there's options out there. There's, there's, there's plant-based protein powders. There's a lot of plant-based protein substitutes like seitan and tofu. And, but like I have issues with like, I think soy is a problem for a lot of men that people don't really talk about a lot. Like, yeah. um, and a lot of those are soy-based. Um, but it's possible. Like I, I think the biggest thing that sometimes people who are vegetarian or vegan worry about with keto is getting enough fat. And I think you realize like, well, Olive oil, avocado oil, avocados, coconut oil, coconut butter, nuts, nut butter. Those are all vegetarian and vegan options. Like there's, there's ways to do it. And honestly, there's tons of, of websites and pages out there that have those resources for people. You just got to look for them. Like if you Google vegan keto, you'll find them. I have a friend that's vegetarian and keto. Like I, I, I've seen people do it before and be successful. Uh, most likely you're not going to be able to get the protein you need and have your carbs as low as my carbs were. Um, because a lot of the, the vegetarian protein substitutes carry carbs with them. It's just a fact of, of plants. Um, but it doesn't mean keto doesn't necessarily have to be as low as I was. Like there's ways to do it. It's just you need to be willing to do a little, do a little more planning, do a little more research. Like I think that's important for people. No one wants to do research and, and look into things sometimes. Like they want something handed to them. Do, do, be willing to do a little research on your own benefit. Like the, and you feel more empowered in the end when you do that, no matter what type of keto or type of diet you're doing. The more research you do on your own, the, the, more, the stronger you feel on what you're doing and the stronger you feel about how you're doing it. Like, so do a little research, and those sources are there, and there's ways to make it happen. You don't even need to go to the library for it either. Most of us have it right in our pockets. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you've got the most powerful library in the world in your hands. Like. Yeah. And really, go on Instagram. You know, I think the the weight loss fitness community on Instagram is the strongest. Like mm. Facebook, uh, I feel like Facebook groups are just a place that people go so they can pick at people and, and complain. Um, it's, but it's, it's either it's either complain or humble brag. Exactly. Oh, completely. And I feel like on Instagram, you're going to find people that are willing to talk to you about things and help direct you to resources and answer questions for you. And, just find support and friends and some of the best friends I've made over the past couple of years that I've now made, you know, met in real life and have made real life connections with, I've met through Instagram. Like I think it's an invaluable resource on my journey. Yeah, I, I could, I mean, I, I see it, uh, you know, just in the past two years, like watching, watching your following grow. Mm. And I mean, as, as your success has been getting better and better, um, you know, more impressive and more impressive. I mean, it, 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 it 100% truly is something that's that that's so impressive. And uh, anybody listening to this, I, I definitely encourage you to go check out uh, the, the the Instagram Gourmet Goes Keto. 
because like he said earlier, he's not shy about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, yeah. I think one of, one of my favorite pictures is uh, uh, you, you have the, just the, the face-to-face from like 2013, 16, 17, and mm-hmm. 19. And it, it really shows in just that one picture, like the journey that you've gone through. Um, but, you know, like I said, the, the, the good, bad, and ugly, uh, you know, you're, you're not shy to show the, the bad pictures. Um, so I definitely encourage anyone that, that, that wants to see what this man has been through to, to check that out. Uh, but well, yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, you, you've definitely come a long way. Like I, you know, I, I, yeah, about two years ago. So you were, you were probably about six months into, into the journey. You already lost a, a decent amount of weight mm-hmm. and you know, you're definitely one of the favorite feeds that I have when, when I get on and check the Instagram, just to, just to see that, you know, you're, you're still at it, you're still doing it and, and you're still healthy. So, um, uh, you got anything else or no? I don't think so, man. I think we, 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 we did it pretty good. We got it pretty good. I'm down to the nub here on my Cohiba. So, you know, I think we timed it well. So, so how was that one? It was good. It was good. Um, I'm down to the nub and the flavor is still great. You know, they, a lot of people say the last third is probably the best third of a cigar. And like, I, I would say it's definitely for this one, the Macassar, like, um, it just gets better as you smoke it. All right, I'll I'll have to I'll have to give it a try. I, I kind of shy away from the the, co, the the Cohibas that I could get off the shelf here. But, um, well, this one, to be honest with you, I got it on cigar bid for a yeah. very good price. Um, so yeah, yeah, I can't. It's not something that normally would have been in my wheelhouse, but um, <laughs> couldn't could I had a friend be like, "You have to go get in on this. It's twenty dollars for." I think I think it was a five pack or you know a ten pack or something like that, and he's like, it normally would be over a hundred bucks for those cigars. Like, get in on that. So yeah, I did. That's, and that's, uh, I, 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 sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say, as with anything, if you get cigars from Cigarbid, rest them for a month in your humidor at least after you get them, because they don't necessarily always get shipped in the best condition. So they they don't put Bovita packs or anything in there with them. So you know, give them a good rest. But there's some you can get some good deals. Yeah, that's I, I've been shying away from from Cbid for a while. That's uh, on, on on Cigar Geeks. We we refer to it as the Devil Site. Oh yeah, um, you know because you'll 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 get that ten pack for for twenty thirty bucks, but then by the end of the week you're like, oh well, if I get something else, it's gonna go. You know, the shipping's gonna be cheaper. And oh yeah, uh, you know, you end up with a with a three hundred dollar bill at the end of the week. But, oh for sure, <laughs> I definitely understand but, uh, that. I get that for sure. All right, man. I I definitely appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, we'll have to uh, get together sometime. Um, and yeah, check out the Cigar Vault if you can while you're in Austin. Oh, um, definitely. I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, thanks a lot, and definitely good luck in the in the rest of your journey. And if I ever get off my ass and get back to it, I'll uh, I'll probably hit you up for some advice. Well, definitely do, definitely do, man. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys today. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, appreciate right. it. Likewise. All right, man. Take it easy. Sounds great. So there you have it. Uh, Gourmet Ghost Keto from Instagram. Check out his podcast, Fat Guy Forums, and check that out. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed the conversation and learned some information about the ketogenic lifestyle. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed everything. Uh, Don't forget to check out my website, herfcast.com. Support me on Patreon. And if you're looking to get into the Stogie Bird Cigar of the Month Club or just make a general order, use the code HERFCAST to save $5 on your first order. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time.